Hi, I'm Rui Branco. Welcome to Talking Usework, a podcast brought to you by the Future Labs Project. Talking Usework is a series of 15 podcast interviews to usework experts and practitioners that have a say when it comes to innovation in usework either because they are using creative methods to empower young people, researching on use trends or responsible for use policies at international level. Like a shot of inspiration, all of our guests have a unique point of view about how can use workers shake up, upgrade and innovate on their daily work. Hello, today we were talking with Sergio Gonçalves. Sergio uh, is, well, a good friend and also an international trainer from Portugal. The reason why we decided to talk with him is because he has experience in developing table games, board games. So this was very interesting to discuss how board games can also be an innovative tool. We talked about what are the advantages of board games, uh, different game mechanics, how the games can work, how to start developing board games, not just by yourself as a youth worker or an educator, but also how to design a board game with young people and uh, what can be the challenges and what can be um, some tricks on how to start that. Of course, we also talked about the importance of fun and how board games should also have this strong element of um, ludicity, let's say, to have fun and to enjoy being around the table with other people. Um, we talked about the, the, the way these games relate to digital games, for example. So it's a very interesting conversation about educational board games and we hope you enjoy it as much as we did. So get ready, let's talk youth work. Hi, Sergio. Hi. Hi, Rui. Hi, Sergio. Hi, Anita. So, today we are recording uh, an episode about board games. So, if you were a youth worker that used to love to play, I don't know, Monopoly and... That's the worst example. <laughs> Risk? <laughs> <Yes>. Risk. <laughs> what, what were the board games we had in our time? Subshell. Yeah. <laughs> in Portuguese. Yeah, in Portuguese. Portuguese. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, we, you probably played some board games when you were young. and Snakes and ladders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. snakes Very and famous. ladders, right. Ludo. Ludo, yeah. <laughs> and nowadays what's happening is that um, board games are also being used. And Sergio, as have experience uh, in uh, playing with this educational, using the your educational games, using them with young people, and... Uh, more recently developing uh, new board games, educational board games. So, yeah. Sergio, just to start, for, for our listeners to know where this is coming from, how did you got involved in um, educational board games? Well, games is something that I always liked, as you said, when mm. we are teenagers and children. I remember playing games with my parents and my brothers. It used to be like right. a family tradition in the afternoons and it was really amazing. Uh, and then when I started working as trainer, I always try to at least gamify a little bit the trainings and to use certain elements from games. And then suddenly we had a project where I was involved personally, where we had to create two different uh, board games, one about financial literacy and one about conflict transformation. Mm. 
And very different topics. Yeah, very different topics okay. and also a bit of different target groups because the financial literacy was more for uh, children, youngsters, mm -hmm. but that first stage of teenagers until 14, 15 years old. While the, the, the one about conflict transformation, it's much used, uh, much more used, for example, with adults because okay. it, it has got uh, other objectives. So it was very interesting and that... Uh, bring the flame on me to try to develop more games and understand how they work because also that process it was almost two years of uh, project and that during that time mm. this uh, feeling of producing this game creating testing trying to understand which elements we should use which elements we should take it was so nice experience and i understood a little bit more how it is the process that this flame started growing in me and then i started trying to develop other games after that project and these were two international projects it was one international project with two outputs, which were okay. the two games. Okay. It was uh, called Borderline Board Games, the name of the project, mm -hmm. or just the abbreviation, we call it sometimes BB Games. And it was also recognized as uh, one good practice in Europe, a project that was considered a good practice and an example. So. Really cool, yeah. really cool. So you've developed these two different games, mm -hmm. one on financial literacy and one, you said, on conflict, conflict transformation. Yeah. Yes. Um, how has been the reaction of the young people to this to these games? Mm. Young ad adults as well. Right? Well, me personally, I use much more the conflict transformation one because mm -hmm. the financial literacy also it was not directly with my target group because I work more as a trainer mm -hmm. for youth workers. So the other was more focused really on young people. So the conflict transformation game it affected me so much that we created a training course around the game. All right. So we had this game as a central piece of a training course about conflict transformation, and it's played immediately in the second day. Mm -hmm. And then we develop around other activities and other methods that will complement, but will bring something that happened during the game okay. to understand better how it was. And it's as a success because we already did five editions of that training all over Europe. Now we're going to have probably the sixth one in Cyprus. So... It's really going well. So it really affected me a lot, this game. And uh, the feedback that we have from the participants, that it's it's very intense, especially mm -hmm. because we also create an environment that it's really an immersive experience to play the game. We create a set with soundtrack. I'm dressed also uh, in a specific clothes, assuming a character while I'm facilitating. And everything is also made in a way that it's stressful and there's really tension during when we are playing the game. So... Even that environment itself, for the participants, it's amazing. When they enter the room and they see all that. Mm -hmm. uh, so that, that was one of the feedbacks that, yeah, just the experience itself, it's amazing. But also when they understand what they do during the game, that because they are just playing, they don't realize what they are doing. And then when we have the debriefing, they understand that, wow, I did this action and this is not me or mm. I'm not so violent, but actually I acted as a violent person. So mm -hmm. it's very interesting to try to understand the things we do that we think it's just a game so I can do it, but actually they are connected with ourselves and our personality. And, and in your experience, what's the, the the biggest difference about using a board game and other method uh, for conflict transformation, the, the example that you were giving? Uh, is it the game part? What is it? Well, the game part, definitely, because again, as I said, uh, people are playing so they are not... Taking uh, it too serious. Yes, it's, <laughs> they, they take it serious. They really play, some people are very competitive and they really play to win. And that's the, but some games that we develop, it's not to win. <laughs> so, but they only understand that also in the end. 
but definitely the part of the game itself because they are playing so now they are not uh, focused on learning mm -hmm. they're just playing but the learning is happening while they are playing and this is one of the great things of the games regarding with other methods there are many valid methods and they should be used and complement with each other it's just that the game allows also a wide wide range of things that can happen during the game that you would need it much more time to do it with other different methods for example so this is also another advantage. And again, we always try to complement with happening during the game with other methods and tools to be more practical and to understand uh, what happened because during the game it's a, little, a lot about self-awareness. And, and you were saying something interesting. You're saying that um, this board game specifically on conflict transformation, it includes or you add to this a scenario. There's clothes, there's music. So... I guess it's already a combination between the board game and kind of a simulation game. Is is it so, or how do yes. you see it? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, simulation games I also like very much because uh, in some trainings that I have been mm. when I started also developing my competence as a trainer, there was a lot of simulation games, and that already uh, brings a lot for me. So it's really this train of combination, because basically we call it board game because there's a board yeah. where we can play but it can be also a simulation exercise. Risk, risk is a, a good example of that. It's a board game, but it's still a simulation. You are still simulating that you are in a conflict and you try to conquer right. territories. So sometimes the, the, the line that divides a simulation game from a board game is not so linear. Yeah, right. I never thought about that. But you're right, because a lot of board games already require that you either take a character, that you negotiate, yeah. that um, that you take upon a certain kind of scenario, or even I remember also Dungeons and Dragons was exactly. also a game that also demands that there is some some kind of a scenario setting, let's say. Yeah, and Dungeons and Dragons, you need a game master, so you yeah, need exactly. somebody also to assume that role. And, and you said something that I found very interesting, which was... Um, <laughs> When people are playing these board games, they feel as players. And therefore, because of this playfulness mindset, we allow ourselves to a certain amount of actions that on a day-to-day on -day life we would not, or we would act differently, or maybe we actually even project that the same, the same behavior, but we wouldn't make it so obvious. And I can imagine this is a good way then to kind of revisit what happened and find out, okay, how did I... How did I play that in that moment? Is is that what you do? That that you go back and revisit the game with the group, or how does it work? Yeah, normally the games that we try to develop again, it's it's also part of a training that mm -hmm. we try to include. So it's not just playing the game by playing. So uh, normally all the games that we have, we have a debriefing in the end, and okay. this is one of the most par important parts of the game itself. For example, this one about conflict transformation, we have one hour and a half of debriefing. Mm -hmm. And many times, one hour enough, it's not enough. Mm -hmm. many, many times we feel that <clears throat> there's much more to talk and much more to, to um, bring out and to take out from the juice that happened during the game, but it's not possible. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so while, while this kind of debriefing, it's, it's very important, we don't try to focus on each individual mm -hmm. because, again, it's a, it's a work of self-awareness, but it's up to the participant to make that reflection okay. or not. Some openly say, listen, I played as a player. I'm not like this. Mm -hmm. If it's true or not, it's up to him to decide. Mm -hmm. It's not up to me as facilitator, but I can push a little bit and make some questions. Okay, but if this happened in real life, how would you act? You know, And sometimes they understand that maybe it's not so much player, maybe it's really our personality. Mm -hmm. And again, it, it can be fun because it's just a game, but many actions we do 
we don't think about it. We just uh, react. Mm -hmm. I, I was thinking of, uh, of another aspect that, that I, I believe you explore is uh, putting people to act in ways that they usually don't act so they can relate to people that act that way. Uh, stimulating empathy, for example, if I'm always the bad guy, why in this game let me try to be the good guy and see what it looks like or yeah. something like that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's there's a lot of role playing in most of the games, even normal games like mm. we were saying about Monopoly and others. You have a little bit of role playing anyway, uh, and that we allow people to act differently, as you said, try to 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 see other things, or actually to act as themselves, but the deep self that many times they not are not the even aware. Yeah, yeah that mm. they are not even aware, but actually right. it's part of the personality itself. So. There's many different ways, and it's very interesting to observe the players mm -hmm. or the participants and understand and try also to see, should this person be really like this or she's just acting a play or trying to put herself in the shoes of other person? Especially because also the games, we try to bring situations that are not common in, in, in real life. This one about conflict transformation, it's really the idea is that you go to another planet mm. and then you have to start to occupy certain territories. And of course, you don't do that in normal life, mm -hmm. in day-to-day, day, so you need to assume the role. Uh, so that part is always there. And, it's and the way you choose games, uh, you choose after you know who the people are or if there's a match you go with? No, the, the games we develop, normally they are concerning a topic, okay. not the players. Okay. Because the players, it's, it should be open to everybody. Of okay. course, there's a specific target group. As I said before, this financial literacy was more for young people, but still adults also can play and mm. learn a lot. Uh, this conflict transformation is more intense, adults or uh, young adults, but it can also be played with teenagers and children. They're also going to get it for sure. It's just you have to play it in a different way. Yeah, so we don't focus so much on the participants itself or the players itself, but the objective that you want to achieve with the game. Yeah. And then, of course, or you create your own games like I was doing, or you use games that already exist also and have the same purpose. You just can adapt a little bit. Okay. And, and I think this is a, a good topic, what you just mentioned. There are many games, board games, that are a cheap resource that youth workers can use to, again, um, using educational activities about different topics. And maybe we could kind of uh, brainstorm a few that you use, or maybe I also can remember a few that I use that can be useful for youth workers. What would be a, a board game you would recommend and that, that is in the market that people can easily find? Well, it depends also on the objective and the group that yeah. you have, because normally board games, the traditional ones that exist in the market are for very small groups. Mm. So four, six players maximum. Mm -hmm. So if you have a big group, it's more difficult. But some, you can really adapt it and use in different ways. One of most common games that at least I use, and I know that certain trainers also use, is Dixit, mm -hmm. which is a yeah, storytelling so. game. And it's for six players maximum, but you can use the cards for many different things. Yeah. You can use the cards for a reflection, for evaluation. That somebody needs to choose a card that says something about the day or some, something or about the their learning outcome or for the briefing. Mm. So there's many different ones that you can use in different ways. Also like bingo, for example, you can mm. adapt the bingo to try to get to know each other. Instead mm. of numbers, you have the name of the person or some characteristic that you have to find on the person. Mm -hmm. For example, um, find somebody that has got two brothers. And you mm. go around in the training seminar and trying to contact other people and say, do you mm. have two brothers? As soon as you mark, okay, then you make the line and then you make the bingo. So 
lot of games you can adapt it easily. But other ones that if you want and you have small groups, I always advise, for example, uh, cooperative games because mm-hmm. they're really interesting and stimulate very good team building and very good group, int- uh, group integration. Like, for example, Forbidden Island, Pandemic, they are really good for that. Yeah, yeah. I also use as a cooperative game, I use Anabi. Uh, it's a very interesting game uh, with cards and participants or players in this case they don't see their cards. Everybody holds their cards the other way around. Mm-hmm. So you see the back of your cards and you see everybody else's cards and you have to beat the game, let's say. So it's also a very good cooperative game. Yeah. And Dixit, for those who don't know, um, it's a very uh, widespread game you can find in most places. There's already several editions. It's a card game. And the advantage of Dixit, um, just to explain to our listeners, mm-hmm. it has different, it's cards with illustrations just illustrations, there's nothing else on the cards. So it makes it very versatile to use for different purposes. Um, and well, and then the rules of the game, it's, a, it's about storytelling, but it's a very, very interesting. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a good advice. And Dixit, there's a lot of expansions already from Dixit. So yeah. you can buy any expansion and just use and it. Use and use it. And if you are tired of the same card, just buy another <laughs> expansion. So, And also regarding that, then I started buying a lot of different games, even when I don't know them. Mm-hmm. For example, all the time I travel to Poland, the games are very cheap there. Mm-hmm. And there's uh, some shops that they have a lot. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I buy just because I see it and I see that I can use them somehow. Like I bought one about emotions that it's just also symbols inside heart. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of different cards. All of them, they have a heart and a symbol inside. So again, you can also use for reflection or for other things. And I don't know still how to play the game because mm-hmm. it's in Polish. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I use it in training. But. No, but this is the beauty of, of board games is that it's a, it's a bit, it has some universal Universal, uh, I cannot say Universality. this. No. No. Uni- Universal, <laughs> no. Universal character. Yeah. yeah. Very good. <laughs> good, good. This is why we have yeah. Chloe here. <laughs> but games just do... For that. <laughs> just for that. Just for that. This is why games, I think, have this universal character yeah. to it, yeah. is that yeah. even uh, you can skip the rules and use them in, in different ways. There there yeah. are resources, because they, they are magnetic around it and because uh, of the way they are structured, you can adapt them to different It's situations. like Lego. You can build as they say in the box or you can build your own. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. You know, for example, one of the biggest examples of that is Monopoly. Hmm. Most of the people don't play Monopoly according to the rules. <laughs> Everyone play, has their own yeah, rules. They play according to the rules of their group, of mm. their friends. Of and, their parents. Yeah, <laughs> and people adapt it. There's many different things. One, one of good example is that uh, house that's square on the, the board, that it's the parking mm-hmm. space. And I always played with my parents and my, my friends that when you, you have to pay something, you always put the money on the middle. And yes. when you reach the parking place, you take all the money. Yes. But that's not on the rules. <laughs> no? No, that doesn't exist. <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> exactly, you I've play the same way. Right? I don't and, know who I am. And like this, there's so many variations. So also during the time, games are adapted and people take them for themselves. And yeah. this is the beauty also of the game. There's some ownership around yes. the game if you, if you want. And nowadays, of course, you can watch a, a tutorial on YouTube how to play the game. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's easy, but it's also that part of taking and adapting. And yeah, mm-hmm. uh, you were talking about taking and adapting, and I was thinking, mm-hmm. for you, um, what's the biggest challenge in develop, developing your own board games? Because I, I'm starting to think of people that will listen to this. So, oh, I have some issues that I would like to tweak a game that I have, mm-hmm. build my own game. Well, the, the process of building a game for me, it's amazing because, but I love the, the creative part. I love mm-hmm. this creative process. And sometimes I spend many hours just 
imagine different scenes and writing on whiteboards and making some designs and many nights already spent <laughs> without sleeping. But I love that part. Not everybody is crea so creative and I love mm -hmm. it. So it can be some obstacle if you're not so creative. But my recommendation is really just test it a lot. Try out, make simple cards, just cut yourself, print yourself, you know. Cut yourself? Take, yeah, <laughs> cut, cut yourself. Cut, 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 yourself. cut the cards yourself <laughs> in scissors and paper, print them. Use images from the Google just in the beginning, just for a prototype, because be careful with the, the rights. <laughs> yeah, of course. But just for a prototype for testing. That's, that's the only way, because sometimes in the process I have brilliant ideas, I think. <laughs> I have brilliant ideas, yeah. but actually when I test them, they don't work. Yeah. So it's really this this constant process of testing and changing, testing and changing, so testing. There's a lot of changing. prototyping when yes. developing again. Yes, yes. There should be a lot of prototype. And it's also good to test it with different target groups. So mm -hmm. test it with your friends, but if possible, also test it with... Uh, uh, Non-friends. Non-friends, mm -hmm. but also people that are into the world of board games. They have a lot of experience with different board games because they know the mechanics. Mm -hmm. And this is the most tricky part on the games. And also regarding that, when you are building a game, if it's needed, steal mechanics from other games. And it's fine. Like, for example, you have, uh, again, the Monopoly that you just throw a dice and you move. That's a mechanic of a game. And you can steal it for your own. Yeah. Or use cards, as many games use it. So combinations you, of yeah. cards or whatever. Exactly. The, the, and nowadays, in, in the game board rules on production, there's a, so many different games, and to create a new mechanic that doesn't exist in another game, it's, it's so difficult. difficult. That, yeah. Uh, like everything is a remix. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's it's your own remix and for your own objective. So do it. Just try it, and yeah, don't don't be shy and don't try. Don't expect to make something very professional in the beginning. No, mm. it's handmade. It's paper. The board game instead of uh, just a board. Even the creation can be a really interesting process to do as a community. Yes, yes, definitely. For me, one of the best things when we are testing is actually asking feedback for the players, and they have brilliant ideas. Also, mm. sometimes, sometimes they see things that we didn't even imagine. And this is the, the feeling. And it's very funny to see that the players that test the games, then they want to know the final result. Mm. They want to play again to see how you change the game and what is the final product. So then exactly. you build a community that helps you. All the time that you're going to try to create a new game, they are there already to help you. Because and, and so you can actually design a game with the young people, not yes. just for your young people, but you can take this as a group task that you develop in a youth center, for example, that you develop your own games. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah mm. that can be a good project. Yeah. That can be a beautiful project, and uh, the participants they really like that. Young people they really like to to act on oh, that I'm way sure. and to give them power. And you can really ask them, okay, which is the odd topic that we need to address on, mm -hmm. the, on these activities on on our community? And, and because they sure know they what, what enthusiasms their them them know what what brings them enthusiasm, yes. what they are enthusiastic about, what they are interested about, what are the graphics that work with them, yes. what is the mechanics yes. they like yes. the most. If it's a fast game everybody talking at the same time these really busy buzz games or if it's more of a strategic uh, having to uh, make alliances and having so so there's the different mechanics and, and also young people can tell you what, what mechanics kind of they're looking for yeah even that uh, of course you cannot please everybody yeah, yeah obviously of course obviously. there's going to be some people that are more strategic gamers mm -hmm. and they love this kind of strategy that you have to think three moves in advance mm -hmm. like play chess, for five hours <laughs> and play for five hours others no others just prefer luck games that you have a die and that's it or two dice that you just throw them 
and whatever it happens, it happens. So, mm-hmm. uh, of course, it's not possible to please everybody, but to try to have at least a mix of these different combinations mm-hmm. that you have some strategy, but you also have some luck and to bring these different components together. And this is what I wanted to ask you. As a youth worker, if I want to design a board game for my young people and I have a hot topic, for example, I don't know, um, there's now radicalization became a hot topic recently. Um, so I, I have this idea. I want to do a board game about radicalization and how to prevent it. And um, what are the elements? How do I start? And, and what are the elements that I should consider in designing my game? Well, I would say that the first stage is really to try to write the objectives you want to achieve with the game. Okay. To try to understand what is the point. Is right. to to promote a debate in the end. Is to promote some awareness about some specific situation. Mm-hmm. To try really to distillate everything. And then also to understand uh, what material you have accessible. Mm-hmm. Because, of course, maybe you can have the idea of creating a huge board game with a lot of different pieces. But if you don't have the resources for mm-hmm. that... It's better maybe to create just a card game. Mm-hmm. So, it's simpler. A card yeah. game is, is kind of easier in terms of resources. Yeah, because card game you can make on your computer and print and you cut the cards and right. then yeah. you have done it. Yeah. So and you don't need much. Uh, and even nowadays it's it's quite easy also to just ask a graphic printer to print mm-hmm. with good quality and you have a card game. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, but of course, if you want to build a, a board with more components, a lot of different pieces... Unless you have a 3D printer or somebody mm, that yeah. also works with wood and can mm. help you on that, then it can be more complicated. Okay. So, yeah, really take attention of the objectives you want to achieve and materials you have. And again, just try out to start with something simple and then grow. Because uh, I see also that sometimes I have very good ideas of rules and mechanics, but I see that at the beginning it's better to have just like two or three rules mm. and then to explore. And then when people test it, they can tell you, listen, maybe we can include this other rule and then you keep growing the game. That's why there are many games also that the game itself is perfect and they sell it a lot. Like you have the Settlers of Catan or Carcassonne, Mm. that's old games, and then you have expansions. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, other parts of the game that just will complement that one because that one is the main one. So it's just if you get bored of the game, then you you can can have extras. I was thinking that... uh, a lot of kids, they're addicted to video games, but now I think that board games are having a big comeback. But I feel that it's more in adult population that kids are beginning to, to find board games, uh, cool games, but it's slowly. Do you think that we'll have a more balance between video games and board games? What's your take on video mm-hmm. games versus board games? Well, the thing about board games, yeah, they are coming back, definitely. But also, and this is, again, just my personal perspective. It's not that mm, I yes. made a big research on that, but the forums that I'm following and the people that I contact with, uh, majority of people are the adults that came from the 80s. That in this <laughs> yeah. moment, they have a stable life and they have money to buy board games yeah. <laughs> because board games also can be expensive. Yeah, so it's true. a good board game costs you 70, 80 euros. And yeah. it's not everybody that can afford that for a kid or for a youngster, yeah. you know. Um, while meanwhile, a digital game, a video game, even that some are also pricey, 50, mm. 60 euros, but if you wait some months, then it's going to be cheaper. And then yeah. board games, that didn't happen. No. Mm-hmm. The price will not go down. So it keeps more or less the same because it's a lot of components to produce. Mm. Uh, the difference also is that board games, it's a social event. Yeah. So you, are, you have to gather a group of people to play with. Your friends, your family, whoever. The youngsters in your youth center. Yeah, the youngsters in youth center. So I really believe that it will come back also. And the youngsters 
the the feedback that I have is when they play, they like it. They are mm. just not used to board games because there's also this idea when we talk about game the board games. Normally, it's Monopoly. Yeah. And Monopoly is really boring. Yeah. Uh, really, it's for me. It's one of the worst games ever because <laughs> it it had a purpose and it was amazing the purpose, but it was really changed yeah, during the process because the purpose of Monopoly was actually to educate about capitalism, and then actually the game became kind of capitalist the, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Capitalist, yes. Yeah. the players became really capitalist and they just want to buy everything so so, so we can blame it on, on monopoly our education and system yeah actually we've been talking about board games but i think we can take it in a broader way in table games because yes. you know jenga is also an yes. amazing yes. game yes. and it's not a board game or like we've been talking about card games as yeah. well so i mean table games in general let's say yeah we're talking I would, here yeah i would say games in general because also there's also this expression of table top games instead yeah. of board games <laughs> exactly. so there's many different expressions and yeah board games is the one more uh, familiar yeah. but yeah it doesn't mean that you need a board yeah it can yeah, be a card yeah, game or, a card or anything else or that you play yeah. presentially with each other yeah exactly not, not in the digital and board. even Jenga I just read not a long time ago that it was also some uh, lady that decided to make Jenga just with some pieces and they were not on uh, the beginning, they were really straight, and mm-hmm. then then she realized that they didn't work straight, so they needed to be cut and made or something to have some uh, not straight edges yeah. because or else you cannot take them out. Oh. So it's also very interesting to see the history, and oh, it was a person that just wanted to make a game. Yeah. So why not a board? A board person, <laughs> yeah, exactly. A board person that made a board game. Yeah. I, recently, I saw um, that there is a Jenga where each piece, I don't know if, if the, our listener knows Jenga, but Jenga is this tower of little um, wood, rectangles wood. Yeah, of wood, and the players have to remove these little, uh, let's call them bricks, wood bricks, and put them on top, being that your tower has less and less um, uh, bo- uh, bricks in the, in the bottom, so eventually it will fall, and of course the player that makes it fall loses. But I've seen it recently a, a Jenga made with in each each little brick is actually a sushi. It's designed as a sushi piece, mm-hmm. and you play with sticks. Yeah. So you have to remove the pieces with sticks, uh, two little chopsticks, and it's really funny. That's a very good example of a game that exists many years, and it's just an adapt- adaptation. Exactly. I saw also already one that uh, one in the piece is engraved some symbols, and then it's a, a drinking game. Okay. Each piece that you, you take out, don't use it in network. But this is an example that you can do the same, like painting some icons or some symbols that you right. can use with your youth workers, not for drinking, but <laughs> for other purpose. Yeah. Uh, like suddenly you take a piece and you have to tell a story about yourself or a, a journey that you did, you know, and then you have a game that it's adapted in a different way and played a different way. There's also gigantic Jenga, which is huge blocks. So. <laughs> yeah, and one thing that I, I realized recently about board games, it's it's the conversation starting process. Because yeah. uh, it's difficult to be sitting around a table and only talk about game. Other subjects will come out and you can see about the game interactions that some issues are underlying there. And it's a, a good conversation starter. Hmm. Because it's not common for people to get together around the table. 
Uh, well, it depends on the games because some are really silent. <laughs> <laughs> some games you spend all the I don't game play in those silent games. almost <laughs> because it's a lot of strategy and thinking. And also depends on the temper of the people because yeah. some have really bad losers. They don't like to lose. <laughs> and, and then the, it can also... Yeah, it can show. It can show off, definitely. But this is, I think, a good opportunity then to talk about yeah. this dynamic of cooperation like, and competition. Yeah, if the young people just puts all the pieces on the floor and we need to talk about yeah, yeah, it. definitely. <laughs> and uh, anyway, you already gathered the people around the table. So yes. that's, that's, that's already that's, the big step. Yeah, it's that's a, a win, win already, so definitely. Very good. Well, before we finish our conversation... We have for you a, a question from our one of our previous guests, mm -hmm. right? Are you ready? Yeah. Okay, the question was, um, if you would recommend young people one experience before they go into adulthood, what would that experience be? That would be definitely to travel. Okay. And any, any way you can, or with... Uh, How is it called that uh, inter interrail, interrail. interrail by train or just go to your country neighbor or just mm. try to travel or even, even in your own country, even in your own country, explore something different. But uh, of course, depends on the, the age, <laughs> <Of course. laughs> but even so, try really to do something by yourself or try to open your mind to other communities and other mm. people that exist around you that you never took opportunity even to do it because Fortunately, I had that lack also, also of traveling inside my own country, and it's beautiful. And it's, it's, it's a pity that sometimes you are stuck just on your village or city, right. and you don't know the rest of your own country, and then yeah. you want to explore already the world. So definitely travel inside your country or outside, because you really see other cultures, other ideas, other perspectives, and you open your Pandora box. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Thank you for that. And uh, can you leave... Uh, a revenge? A revenge, <laughs> revenge, revenge question. Revenge question for one of oh, our It's not guests. revenge because it's not for the same guest. <laughs> but uh, So what question would I make? For, it's about innovation, right? Well, it's, it's about youth work and if possible, yes, about innovation. Okay. Uh, I think I would ask how that person, whoever it mm. is, uh, see in the future, the combination between the digital world and the analog world. Okay. Because, especially now, because we talk about board games and digital games, and sometimes they need to be combined. But yeah. also, not only that, but all the tools and everything that is connected with youth work, how they can be combined in the sense that how can youngsters be playing outside, for example, but still use digital tools. Okay. Very good question. Yeah. Very good revenge. Very good revenge. <laughs> <laughs> I try my best. Yeah. I, I was thinking, is there something about board games that you think it's particularly important that we might even not mention in this episode? or Well, I think one of the key elements of the board games that we didn't talk is mm. to have fun. Ah. Yeah. So really, we forgot the fun. Yes, <laughs> because it's very important. If you are playing a game and you're not having fun, then the game is bored. <laughs> <laughs> so please try to have that in consideration when you are trying to create a new game or using games that are You don't have to push games on people. No, no. If they don't have fun doing it or playing it, then give up. <laughs> try and, a different and, approach. And, and try different games. Yeah. And because right. it's your, they have a lot of choices. A lot, a lot. Yeah. Nowadays, there's, there's games coming out every week. Every really. week. Every week. Yes. On Kickstarter, you can see games coming out every week. In Portugal, fortunately, also we have now new companies producing board games. So nice. and for sure in other different countries the same. So just explore. It's an yeah. emergency. Yeah. Emerging, try try to uh, get out of the monopoly and trivial yes. pursuit and the field. old yeah. games. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a positive way to 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 finish. Yes, having fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's the best way to learn. Yeah. yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Thank Sergio. You. Yeah. Uh, we know that we're a bit sick, so I think you yes. need a rest. Sexy, sexy voice. <laughs> sexy voice. <laughs> <laughs> that helped a bit. Thank, Thank you. 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 No, Thank you we so got much. you sick, so you can have that voice <laughs> exactly. on the podcast. <laughs> My radio voice. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. And that's the end of episode number 10. Imagine that. We've been together for 10 episodes. Hope we can count on you for the next one. See you then. This podcast is funded by the Erasmus Plus Youthwatch program powered by Tim Maish and the editorial board of UMAC University of Applied Sciences. Kari Kero, Jarmo Roxa and Christiana Vesama with the support of all the Future Labs partners.